0: Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 42 of Retro Hangover.
1: internet we are coming to you from the streaming service of your choice galloping graciously toward gonorrhea giving Ghidorah, giving great game boy gaffes this is episode 42 of retro hangover and i am your co-host chris Copleen, as always with your host shane small cute and portable dick dragon koski and our special guest host once again from gray man games seamus patrick burke
0: you know I never thought that like my that I was going to refer to uh, let's go with my package as perhaps kawaii. But here we are. This is where I am in my life.
2: I was ju- I was just point I just wanted to point out before we started recording, uh, I it literally fell out of my brain my last appearance, so I forgot your policy on swearing. And then right there in the intro, you have like you know just a gonorrhea and all this other stuff. So I'm kind of like, oh well, I guess I don't really have to worry about that.
0: Yeah, no, you're fine.
1: You're Everything you are fine. in a square safe zone. It's great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, unlike YouTube, we are not going to refrain from swearing for the first minute. So
1: y- yeah, there yeah. We don't have enough viewers to really get the um, demonetization really affecting us anyway. So Yeah, that, that, that's the one thing that I kind
2: of get by on with my channel right now is that I'm kind of beneath notice when it comes to certain copyright strikes. Unless it involves Universal Media Group, in which case I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> those, those people are like hawks. Like, you have no idea.
0: Oh, yeah. That's like I, – well, I was telling Chris one of our earlier ones that we posted. It was actually the Let's Play of Castlevania 64 got flagged for the intro song. And it wasn't even anybody related to the game or or the soundtrack. It was just like some random artist that apparently I'm going to go with probably sampled that track. And I was going to say, like, yeah, no, yeah. that's mine.
2: I, I had a I had a weird one during my Resident Evil 2 playthrough where um I had uh the whole gag about uh, they get the mini gun and I named it Mini the Moocher. And uh, I had uh, a portion of Mini the Moocher from the Blues Brothers movie playing during the outro, and they actually flagged that. So I just needed my video up for the day. So I just uh, said, whatever, just remove the audio. I'll just, like, replace it later. And I never got around to it. So there's just, like, this big, awkward silence in the fin- in the finale with the end slate of my uh, Resident Evil 2 playthrough. I'm like, yay, YouTube. <laughs> this is fantastic.
0: So good. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh... Man, there's been a lot that's been going on since the last time we we recorded. Um, what you mean? Two weeks ago. Travel. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, yeah, two definitely weeks, two yes. weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, there's no way that we scheduled that to post while we were, you know, incommunicado or anything. But yeah, no. Why would we do that? That's so disingenuous. Who wouldn't do that? So where have you been, Chris? Because I've been traveling a lot, but you were gone too. So what have you been up to?
1: I mean, I I wasn't really gone, gone. Uh, not like you were gone, but um. Uh huh. Yeah. So, Um, yes. So like uh, two weeks ago, just really busy, had a lot of college work because as you all know, I'm in college. I'm trying to work towards my degree. I had two papers due at one week and uh, with work, it's a big pain in the ass. Uh, Not too busy, but that wasn't bad. And then this previous week, I was in Tennessee and I was I was working a pretty decent amount, uh, probably spending my days being longer than I expected them to be because American Airlines can't get their shit together. So Monday and Friday were, were, they're still long, not as bad as stressful, Delta. stressful days. Uh, that's debatable. Americans <laughs> pretty bad. They're pretty bad. Listen, American
0: no. airlines is the only one I've ever had where they had actual fog coming out of their AC units in the, in the airplane and they tried yes. to pass it off as normal. Yes, that's <laughs> that definitely <laughs> happened.
2: It's like a spy movie when they like release the gas and they try to knock everybody out in the plane. It's like Inception. (laughs) Well, I would have
1: preferred that. Then I then I go to sleep
0: and everything's fine. Yeah, then you wouldn't have to actually experience an American Airlines flight.
1: (laughs) But I had some fun at free champagne with Leo.
0: I wish it was free.
1: They like want to charge you probably like fifteen bucks. Yeah, here's your glass of champagne, fifteen dollars. What's it? What is it called? Um, Walmart champagne. Oh, thanks guys, appreciate it.
0: Uh, uh, excuse uh, me. That's great value champagne. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it, uh, it could be Aldi brand. Then it's just champagne. Mm. I'm, it, a, I'm it, a Kirkland brand person myself.
2: <laughs> it's literally Champagne. Like uh, that. Like they actually <laughs> go with the wrong pronunciation on purpose because it's the lowest brand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so you got uh, to spend your time in beautiful Tennessee,
1: uh, right outside Memphis. Mm. Uh, and uh, apparently, Memphis is not this great country mecca that it's supposed to be. It's actually pretty uh, downtrodden. So cool. Yeah, not really.
2: Uh, they've got that weird Eye of Sauron building that just kind of looms over the entire city. <laughs> no,
1: that's Jacksonville. <laughs>
2: <laughs> why, why do why do so many buildings have like Eye of Sauron like uh, tops to them? I have no idea.
1: Yeah. that's the Prudential vi- Building here in Jacksonville because uh, no one goes downtown. That that is definitely Mordor. No one goes. That's there. true. That is true. Um, but in terms of video games, I've been playing Final Fantasy fifteen, which I have uh, grown slowly addicted to, and it has reminded me why I don't play open world RPGs, and that is because um, I do everything but the main plot. So, yeah, that sounds about right. It, it, it's it's like a it's like if you take like uh a little bit but not the best parts of Kingdom Hearts and a little bit but not the best parts of Xenoblade, you get Final Fantasy 15.
0: See, this is why I was telling you man, you should have just played the FF15 mobile version like I've been doing cuz it's basically the same game but like much more streamlined.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, but I probably would have enjoyed it more, but then I would have felt that I should have been playing the original one. And then, like, I'm on chapter three, and each chapter is is, is it's still early game, and I've already put 24 hours into the damn game. So I'm doing everything. That, that, that's that's when you've had the, the
2: crossover point. Like, it, that's that's when there's no coming back. You're addicted to it once you've put in, like, a full, like, day.
1: Yes, and I, I, I can't rip myself away from that. But um, that's that's pretty much it. All, all I'm saying
0: is is you brought that on yourself.
1: I did. No, I totally did. I can't wait for this to be done because I want to get to more linear arcade games uh, and and waste my time uh, playing those. So anyway, Shane, how about you? I heard you went back to where you came from. Uh, was it crime infested? <laughs> and did you fix did it? You, did you have to
0: phrase it that way?
1: <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you return to
0: save your people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're yeah. back. Did you fix um, it? So... <laughs> <laughs> what, what what was broken? What was I supposed to fix?
1: I, I, I don't know. You just went back to where you came from.
0: That's what you do. God, I have no idea what you're talking about. God damn. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I went back. It was good. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm sure most people are totally com- fucking lost right now. So uh, if you were listening to, I think our previous episode, we talked about it. And if not that, then perhaps the one before it. But um, uh, my girlfriend and I decided to um, plan this big trip We uh, did sort of a Scandinavian tour, as we called it, and hit uh, Norway, uh, Sweden, Finland with a couple days in St. Petersburg and also a day trip to Estonia because it's basically like two hours on a ferry from Helsinki. So um, there's a little town called Tallinn that's on the coast. It was very nice. Um, the whole trip was awesome. Uh, it was a little bit of a whirlwind, but we kind of knew that going in cause we wanted to try to pack as much as we could into the two and a half weeks that we were gone because thanks to the, um, American workforce system, I have only three weeks of vacation time for the entire year. So I used most of it for this with a couple of extra days for, you know, things like Thanksgiving or Christmas or other unimportant things like that. So, um, so yeah, man, uh, it was a really good trip. And uh, apart from all of the, you know, the sights and everything, of which I have been posting to our to my social media, the most important thing is that uh, I am now uh, officially engaged. So, Woo!
2: Uh... <laughs> hey, your first child be a masculine child.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. So um, that that occurred in Saint Petersburg at the uh, Marinsky Theater. Uh, we went to see a, uh, a ballet there and it was amazing. And the, the building itself was beautiful. It's one of the oldest theaters in Russia. Um, it's also, uh, the place where a lot of, uh, Tchaikovsky's productions, uh, premiered actually. So also notable in that way. And, uh, and yeah, everything went pretty smoothly. So, I, I we could spend a lot of time going into it and, and maybe we'll do this as some like bonus content or something like that, but, um, because we packed so much shit into like one trip, I think we managed to hit almost every travel issue you could possibly come across within that two and a half weeks. Um, So while it was a really good time, there was also a lot of shit that we had to deal with, but, but overall it was good, but I'm back. Um, I safely made it through customs, um, which was actually weird because in Miami they didn't even check our bags. Apparently if you come from, you know, the like the the capital of white people in the north they don't give a shit when whatever you're bringing back but uh last year when we came from columbia they like shook us down so
1: it's a good thing you didn't have to worry about them pulling anything out of your butt this time
0: <clears throat> that's true yeah i mean either that or you know they were afraid we were smuggling cocahina in in our coffee bags or something no that so, no, was already in your nose yeah that's true well you, you gotta use that stuff up before you come back you know it's the same thing with like food uh
1: to be fair i don't Just general I'm,
0: general advice
1: i'm not very impressed by miami's airport i went there i didn't i was
0: not uh not no happy. shit sucks man yeah that's like it's in my opinion it's the second worst airport uh only slightly behind uh fucking newark that place is a shithole
1: well when you when you go when you if you ever go to Djibouti international let me know and we can compare notes because that's cool i will never do that the (laughs)
2: gold standard for bad airports has to be charles de gaulle like uh in france so just uh charles de gaulle airport is like they lose airport privileges forever
1: (laughs) (laughs) so shame i have
0: yet to experience that one but i guess i get to look forward to that someday
1: so once, once again congratulations man very very happy about your engagement thank you um, Appreciate it. I'm sure this will be a good point of discussion for our, our upcoming episode in March, which we're not going to get too detailed on. That should be a fun one. Uh, so Seamus, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. First of yes, all, how have you been uh, and how are you doing? And, and just to pause, by the way, I'm not going to ask you what video games you're playing because, you know, let's just assume you weren't even if you were uh, Shane on your trip because no. Uh, so back <laughs> to you, Seamus. Uh, how have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, I had an eight yourself?
0: hour flight. You don't even want to know about what I played. Fine.
1: Well, you just got engaged. I'm not going to ask the question. You're, you're, pl- Fine, you're playing whatever. relationships. That's what you're playing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a, t- and, and you're- it's a very involved dating set. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm good. I uh, have been insanely busy. Um, uh, And the reason I've been busy is because uh, I live in Portland, for those of you who don't know. And I've confirmed uh, a table at the Rose City Comic Con for the first time in five years. And uh, basically a bunch. Yeah. And um, it's super funny because, like, uh, you know, it was around a time when I was ironically being kind of tight fisted with my money. And I was on the wait list. I uh, hadn't confirmed a table when they just opened up registration. And they just sent me this email like, hey, uh, this table's yours if you want to claim it right away. And lo, just like a couple hundred dollars just goes flying out of my wallet as soon as possible. I don't even give it a second thought. And so since this is going to be like a big thing for me, I've just been prepping everything I've been working on, everything I want to show off. And I have to get it ready in about uh, two months So, in order to have it uh, finished. So uh, the rest of my summer is going to be really blocked up had a table at uh, IndyCon a couple weeks ago, uh, and for those of you who don't know, outside of my YouTube channel, I uh, publish my own independent comics, sell my own artwork. I actually launched an online store recently. You can find that at gumroad.com spburk Burke. And um, lots of video game-themed art. I think you guys would like that. And um, as for games, uh, I'm still in the middle of my Bloodstained playthrough. I am absolutely loving that. That thing was so completely worth the wait. Um, and I'm looking for more esoteric games uh, to be playing. Uh, we were talking about Dating Sims. I'm actually going to be playing Arcade Spirits uh, soon. So uh, I actually got to meet the developers, and uh, they said they would share that. So I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, nice. there's one game I really want to play, but I'm not sure I'll be able to get away with it on YouTube, even with my uh, kind of lower beneath-the-radar status. But it's a really interesting game someone uh, sent me recently that's... Uh, themed around uh, bondage and, um, like, uh, consent in a domineering relationship, and I thought that would be just kind of, like, an interesting, provocative thing to play. But I sincerely don't know if I'll be able to get past YouTube's content filter, so that might kind of die on the vine if it gets too explicit.
1: <laughs> Have you seen a lot of the things on YouTube? I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying you'd be banned. I'm just saying you'd probably be demonetized. Not, not banned. Yeah,
2: like, I, I think that like demonetization probably would happen like um i my big reference point is uh the game grumps did like fuck mr hatcher which is like a gay flash game (laughs) and they not only did they were they not able to monetize that which is ironic because it's one of their most popular episodes it's like it's inching up to three million views at this point but uh they also had to delist that so if you actually go to youtube and you enter like you know, Game Grumps Mr. Hatcher or something like that, it doesn't come up. You actually have to properly go to Google to find the episode. So, it might be more trouble than it's worth, but I think the subject is really interesting. So, I, I kind of want to see if I can tackle it. And plus, it's a black and white game. So, that, like, for whatever reason, the art style isn't black and white. So, I thought that would be perfect for me, just from an aesthetic point. Yeah,
0: i say that, that's, like, right up your alley. Yeah,
2: But uh, Bloodstained is so insanely fun. I, like, I've barely scratched the surface on that game, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's getting to the point where i have to stop fiddling with my uh, armor and settings and finding all the other stuff because i'm like no 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 i gotta focus on the thrust of the game and like actually getting from one point to the next instead of screwing around with all of the features but they just gave you so many damn features oh dude you-
0: so i take it you're playing that on pc right yeah oh, okay okay yeah do you I, so chris have you have you played around with the uh, your switch version of that no no okay
1: and i think you know why if you're listening and you don't know why <laughs> i do If you're listening and you don't know why, let me tell you why. Uh, It's because the Switch version is smashed ass. It's um, (laughs) really, really bad. Really feel so. uh, Like I can go to my survey page. I can get my DLC because they broke it up. And I'm, I'm gonna say it again. Should have been on Wii U. That's why I ordered it for. But I had faith. I had faith that'd be good on Nintendo.
0: I just I love that like the Wii U is the hill that you're willing to.
1: die. I will on. die on the Wii U hill. <laughs> I just I just got my copy of Axiom Verge for the Wii U, which is the last physical copy of uh, any game released for the Wii U so far. I love my Wii U. I will always love my Wii U. Should have been on the Wii U. It would have been much better. But any case, yeah, smashed assed. Um, not gonna blame Ega. I love you, Ega. I'm gonna blame 505 games, it's all their fault, uh, because Ega is infallible, we all know that. So, um they apparently they're gonna fix it, which gives me enough time to play Final Fantasy 15 until completion. Then I could go in and put in all my backer uh uh backer content, all my free backer DLC. It's in the backer slip case, which is a beautiful slip case. It's kind of flimsy. A lot of people are bitching, I'm not bitching, but no, I haven't played it. Yet until they fix the shit that they're supposed to fix before releasing it because it crashes. It doesn't look good. And that's not going to fix uh, because it's just not as powerful as the other systems, which I don't understand. But in any case, uh, and uh, a whole host of other issues uh, that you can easily look up because I'm sure plenty of people are bitching about it openly. So go take a look. But I have not opened up yet, so I'm going to have to enjoy it vicariously through Seamus's videos, even though I didn't want to do that because I don't want to spoil the game for myself, even though I love Seamus's channel. But that's probably the oh, best way I'm gonna on. be able to enjoy this game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to pick it up for the Switch because I I actually really like having you know those like 2D platformers and stuff on that console. It's perfect for it. But I just uh, with, with all the issues that that thing has had, I'm I'm probably just gonna end up buying it on like Steam or or something. You, you and have a, it that
1: way. You have a PS4.
0: I mean, I do. Sometimes I forget that I have (laughs) that thing is basically my kingdom hearts three machine, but yes, that's, 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 don't don't tell
2: anybody, but, uh, I haven't owned a switch up until now and I'm actually getting one, uh, very, very soon. And, um, it's mostly for, uh, Mario maker, but just like, uh, and, uh, I'll be able to catch up on the, uh, links awakening, uh, remake that they're releasing. I'm looking more forward to that than anything else. Uh, and we, and, we can, But we can talk more about Link's Awakening uh, later during this uh, discussion, like, uh, given the subject oh, yes.
0: today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So are you are you planning on picking that up soon, or are you going to wait until the, like, revised hardware comes out?
2: Oh, um, I'm going to be getting the... Uh, well, I'm going to be getting the version you can co- connect to the TV, like, uh, for lack of a better term. Because, you know, I want to... You know, I want to see if I can do a, a Let's Play of Link's Awakening, um, like, for my channel. But, um, mm-hmm. like, that being said... Uh, I am like really excited about the, uh, you know, the, the contained version of the, uh, Switch that they're releasing. I just think it's amazing that you get like a portable handheld that, um, can run in 720. Like, and granted, that's mm-hmm. not that much of an accomplishment on that screen but like the fact that you can
1: even do that I think is just like kind of amazing
0: I think yeah no, I th- no definitely I think what
1: Shane was talking about there's a new switch coming out too that has improved battery life that you can connect to the TV
0: yeah it's basically the same it's the same setup as the current like OG switch but they're just they've improved like the battery life
2: uh I'll probably be getting um one of those just like I, I don't know I'm just going like I'm just basically gonna be uh deciding it once I have the opportunity which should be in a couple of weeks Nintendo really
1: has a history of Releasing revli- revisions with improved battery life, don't they, Shane?
0: Yes, Chris. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, and, and before we jump into our, our main topic for today, because we should probably Yeah, that is a segue right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did, even though Chris completely just steamrolled over this, I want to mention, because it's important to me and I feel like everyone should know about it, um, because I'm a big Contra 3 fan, I just picked up Blazing Chrome for my Switch, and holy shit, that game is awesome. So it is basically like a love letter to Contra 3, um, in so many different ways. Like there's some stuff in there that is like straight from, like there's a jet bike level that is almost straight from Contra 3, but it's done so well. And it's, uh, I think it's like 16, 17 bucks or something. So you can pick it up on switch or on PC, probably a couple other platforms. But, um, I just wanted to throw that out there real quick because that has been amazing. And for the price it is, like well worth it so if you liked contra 3 at all and and you listened to our episode a few a few episodes back about that um definitely check out blazing chrome because that thing is amazing
1: hooray contra we love contra hell yeah
0: all right
1: with that being said this week is episode 42 and this week is a very special episode as you know because we have gray man grains gay man god damn it
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh i am so keeping that in You're, gray you're, man you're games you're here, Seamus
2: <laughs> Gay man games. You're turning into the uh, comment section of my average video when someone doesn't like it. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's a, di- that's a different channel. That's private. You don't get to see that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> more, more like gay man games, in my life. <laughs> G- game,
1: gra- Damn it, no, I'm doing it. Gray man games. <laughs> <laughs> gay man <laughs> games is Choniki, and that will be on the Turbo Graphics mini. But in any case, Gray man games get. Ga- God damn it! Gray Man Games is here. Seamus Patrick is Burke. Just tell me the Shame Gray Man. Is Patrick That's Burke is here. That's what I do. Yeah. And today we're going to be discussing Game Boy because this is the 30th anniversary of Game Boy in North America. And if anyone has a problem with that, because it was back in April in Japan, this is not a region free gaming podcast. This is a North American podcast. And there's great podcasts that are region free, so if you want, and you can listen to them too. So.
0: I didn't expect there to be just, like, blatant jingoism in our podcast, but that's fantastic. Hell
1: region doesn't get anything with this podcast. So this week, we are going to be talking about the Game Boy. Um, So I guess I'm introducing myself because I've taken this over. So here...
0: Yeah, knock yourself out, man. Just go for it. The truth comes out. So here's your
1: brief history... Of the Nintendo Game Boy. The dream of being able to take the home experience with you on the road has been a wish for gamers since the concept of a home console had solidified itself into gaming culture. Or, more accurately, a way to entertain your annoying pet humans in a satisfactory way... While doing road trips because other than reading, which could cause road sickness, has been a desire for parents ever since the dawn of road trips. Today, it could be argued that the dream has finally been fully realized with the Nintendo Switch. Are we there yet? Shut up, Nomad and Turbo Express fans. And no, we're not there yet! But it took a long time to fully realize this dream. And in 1989, the first step towards making portable gaming mainstream happened with the Nintendo Game Boy. In 1989, the NES was in full force. Even though the Genesis and the TurboGrafx-16 were things, when someone said Nintendo, they meant all video games. While the home market was seeing major success and fully recovered from the 1983 video game crash, portable gaming was mostly relegated to basic LCD games that many would associate with Tiger Electronics. Even if the property of your portable game was familiar, the game itself would only remotely resemble the source material. And you had better like that game, because... Most of the time, you didn't even have interchangeable cartridges for your device. Nintendo had a solution. Under developer Gunpei Yokoi, Nintendo would come up with a system that had interchangeable cartridges with graphical capabilities that looked like NES sprites, even though they're black and white, with what was essentially an NES controller built into the system. This concept would be called the Dot Matrix Game. And hey, by the way, look at your Game Boy if you see the uh, serial number says DMG. And later, it would be called the Game Boy, obviously, which was an homage to the popular Sony portable audio cassette player, the Walkman. The term Dot Matrix game stemmed from the fact that the Game Boy was not, techno- uh, was not a technological marvel and used Dot Matrix LCD for a screen. In fact, the Game Boy was technologically inferior to its immediate competitors, the Sega Game Gear, the Atari Lynx, and the mighty Turbo Express all of which had full-color backlit screens. However, because of Yokoi's philosophy using techno- withering technology, or utilizing technology that is common, well-known, and cheap to develop, new hardware, and mass-produce, the Game Boy was able to completely dominate the competition with its lower price point and longer battery life. And maybe because Tetris is a little bit better than Columns. The Game Boy would launch on April 21st, 1989, Uh, in Japan, and would come with an 8-bit Sharp LR35902, 4.19 MHz CPU, 8 kilobytes of RAM and video RAM, a 2.6-inch display with a 160x144 resolution display, with a 4-color palette, a mono speaker, and stereo out sound. North America would receive the system on July 31st, 1989, which is why we're having this episode this lovely week, with Europe- Suck it, Europe. (laughs) Suck it, Europe, because they wouldn't get it until September of 1990. While launch titles would include the notable Super Mario Land, without a doubt, the most important title was Tetris, a Russian puzzle game that if you don't know by now, I don't know even how you found this podcast to listen to. Tetris would push the Game Boy into the mainstream and drive sales with total sales of Tetris for the Game Boy being approximately 30.5 million units and obviously being the system's best-selling game. The Game Boy would receive additional hardware revisions, including the smaller and stylish Game Boy Pocket, the Japanese-exclusive Game Boy Light, and the more powerful Game Boy Color. Total sales for the system, including the Game Boy Color, with total almost 119 million units, making it currently third all-time for all video game systems, trailing only the PlayStation 2 and Nintendo DS, and leaving a legacy for portable video games forever. And that is your Brief History on the
0: Nintendo Game Boy. right. well thank you for that Brief History, Chris. So, um... I kind of want to like just jump right into some of the personal experiences with this one, because I think we have a lot and I know uh, Seamus has got a lot to say about this one. So let's start with him. Um, what were some of your personal experiences with the, uh, the venerable gray brick?
2: Well, uh, the first thing that I remember is that the Game Boy is the first console that I had to work for. Like, uh, I got my NES when I was uh, three years old, and you know, I was a three-year-old kid, so my parents just bought it because they thought I would like it, and uh, you know, it was nice. But by that, by the time the Game Boy had come out, I was um, entering first grade, and I really, really wanted one, but it wasn't around my birthday, and so it was like the classic thing where, just like you know you do certain chores or just, like, you do certain tasks for your parents and they just, like, put away, like, a little bit of change. I remember my mother had actually, like, printed out a chart for how close I was getting to, like, uh, my Game Boy goal. And it couldn't have been, you know, longer than, like, a couple of a couple of weeks, but just, like, you know, I just worked and worked and worked and worked and I just did everything I could. So the Game Boy is precious to me because I felt like I earned it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, but I finally got it and it was just... Um, You know, and I was just inseparable from that thing. Like, my original Grey Brick brick Game Boy, which I still have, it's, um, you know, displayed in my apartment. I just carried it everywhere I possibly could. I never brought it to school. I probably could have brought it to school, but I don't know how, uh, fussy they would have, uh, been about it. Like, uh, Chris and I have literally known each other since childhood, so I don't know if our school Mm -hmm. would have taken it away or something like that if I tried to play it during recess or something. But,
1: um uh arbor view, maybe i don't think you went to arbor view though no no, no i went i went to briar Glen. yeah okay so i can tell you in high school in algebra class they didn't take it away from me while i was playing dragon warrior monsters okay uh yeah so
2: maybe <laughs> maybe i did it just never occurred to me but uh but, but that's beside the point point. and um it's it's so funny because like so many uh game boy memories are just like crystal clear in my head and i remember uh you know tetris is the classic like and i think that is probably the most diabolical thing that like nintendo ever did is like they kind of it was kind of the precursor of just like what they do with mobile phone mobile games now because like the easily the most popular thing on uh on mobile games is uh puzzle games and because they're just so addictive and you can just play them infinitely so you just have a game like tetris that you can just play infinitely and you just like have it in your pocket wherever you go just like you know I think it was just like kind of like a watershed moment not just in games but also like psychology of games you just constantly give people that like little serotonin kick like whenever they or you know whenever they have an opportunity but uh Mario Land was the big one for me and I remember a super triumphant moment I was visiting my godmother in California and just we were at her house and my parents are talking about stuff you know I'm a 7 year old kid everything adults say is completely boring to me and just while they're talking I managed to just like finally beat uh Mario Land. And bear in mind, Mario Land is not a very long game. Like, you know, it's the the most linear Mario. You can speed run it in 20 minutes. But like, you know, when you're a first grader, that's like, you know, going to the moon as far as you're concerned. And <laughs> mm-hmm. but I finally beat it. And just like. Mario Land actually has really good music, and it has like one of the most triumphant like end of the game themes ever. Just like na 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 na, na. just that melody just sticks in my brain to so much. And you know they're like, "Seamus, what the hell are you doing?" It's like, "I did it." <laughs>
0: <laughs> you plebes don't appreciate yeah. <laughs> my accomplishments.
2: You will bow before me. <laughs> it took me twenty minutes to do this. <laughs>
1: Those are the best 20 minutes of my life before I discover girls. (laughs) I mean, that was still the best Uh, 20 minutes because I can't get beyond five. any (laughs) case, Shane, what are
0: you about to say? (laughs) When keeping it real goes wrong. (laughs) Uh, No, no, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, well, okay. how can you say anything after that? <laughs> yeah, I can't follow that. I, I have like, I my, re- I have, like
2: my really sincere, like, you know, like heartwarming memory and you just to follow it up with that. <laughs> 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 Welcome to podcast, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> there is a balance to everything.
1: Uh, so it's like uh, after after you really got Super Mario Land and uh, you worked for it. and Did you really hold on to the Game Boy? Did you ever really upgrade uh, and go beyond that? I have
2: like every single like uh, Game Boy model. I have at least one. I've collected like, um, you know, just, uh, different colors and I've collected like, uh, different, uh, variants because especially if you're a Game Boy fan, that is the biggest thing that, um, will kind of keep you going is the fact that, uh, is, is that they have so many like, uh, limited edition variants of Game Boys. Like I remember for the original one, they released like, you know, the, all the different colors, like the, the yellow, the red, like the, uh, clear see through one. Um, they did the same for the Game Boy Color. They did the same for the Game Boy Pocket. And I'm actually super annoyed by this because I didn't know this until uh, I was doing research for this podcast. But um, the so for the Game Boy Pocket, which uh, we'll get to in a little bit. But like um, they actually released uh, a version that was backlit, like because the backlight didn't come mm. until like the Game Boy Advance because just like the, uh, you know, the technology hadn't caught up. But they.
1: Yeah. SP.
2: Game Boy Advance SP. Yeah. Uh, but they released it. It was called the Game Boy Light. It's the only ver- version of the original Game Boy that has a backlight built in. But it was only released in Japan. And apparently, one of the limited edition ones has uh, artwork by uh, by Tezuka on it. So I'm like, damn it, I want that one so bad. That's like my that's like my white whale. That's the one that I really want to see if I can find on uh, on the used market.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine how much that was going to. cost. Yeah,
2: just like get the Tezuka version of the Game Boy. Just like I'm sure it costs an arm and a leg.
0: Uh, all right. So um. Cool. So, Chris, what what about you? Because I'm going to save mine for last because I I feel like my my experience was a little different from this. So, I wanted to hear what you had to say first.
1: So, I I can't remember exactly when we got a Game Boy. It wasn't my Game Boy, Um, and we'll talk. So you you
0: stole it. Great.
1: Well, not really. I I think that's kind of why I put in that line in the brief history about you know how you keep you annoying children to to stay quiet is you just Mm -hmm. hand them a Game Boy during road trips and everything's good to go. But um, my dad really seemed to be into the Game Boy. It was like his kind of portable machine, and he would let me play it. And that's kind of how it went when it came to the Game Boy. And he got a, a very nice set of games for it. And, and I remember specifically playing it originally. We, we went up and uh, kind of rented a cabin in the woods, and we went there for vacation, I think, every summer. And we just go up there, and every summer there was the Game Boy. And he had a very particular set of games. It was uh, the first Mega Man. It was Mega Man, the Wily Wars. Um, no, no, no. Wily's Revenge. Wily's Revenge. Wily's Revenge. Wily Wars is the We Genesis did an entire episode
2: sorry. on this. Like, that was literally yes. the last time I was on the podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Yes, Wily's Revenge. Yes. <laughs> we, we know, we know
0: Vigigames. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: So it was uh, uh, Mega Man, uh, Wily's Revenge, uh, Ultra Golf. So essentially Konami Golf. Uh, and Contra game, I, th- I can't remember if it was the, the first Contra to come out for it or it was the Alien Wars. I think it was the Alien Wars and uh, Tetris. And we were up there and when we weren't fishing or walking around outside and uh, doing all, you know, country cabin shit, I was playing the Game Boy. And that's kind of how I passed my time up it-
0: there. Did 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 your did your dad have the 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 pocket sonar uh, uh, adapter for for your Game Boy? Did you use that for fishing?
1: He did not, uh, but that would have been uh, that's awesome. I, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, we just kind of just took a like a shitty little you know canoe out there, and it was good. I mean, it was a long time ago. I barely remember it but he did have like that those-
0: I just I just feel like that that's just, that's just insane. I just want to point that out. That that peripheral is just insane. Like Nintendo's done some other weird shit, you know, in more recent memory like their whole like short-lived dive into like health diagnostics or whatever. But like having Bandai Namco release that Pocket Sonar for a Game Boy, that that's just a whole other level of insanity that I I really appreciate.
1: So I take it you haven't heard of the Game Boy sewing machine.
0: Uh I not actually. That's, that's the, the, that's game, the, the Game too. Boy
1: Easy Bake Oven.
0: Just uh, <laughs> I, I feel like you're just making that up.
1: No, right. no, I'm actually not making up the Game Boy Sewing game. That's a real thing. Fantastic. Yeah, d- d-
0: yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, like a Game Boy th- th- frying pan th- with a copy of Cooking Mama. <laughs> <laughs> th-
1: th-
2: because that's what that's what the kids really want with their peripherals. They want fishing and they want sewing. Like this is going to sell
1: millions. Hey, I mean, <laughs> if you if you had that sewing if you had that sewing machine Game Boy app in like 2009 2010. You could sell a ton of shit it, like, at retro what, what
2: other peripherals can we re- release that are, like, related to chores that you had to do, uh, like, a re- on the weekends, like, a re- at your parents' house? Like, the, uh, the Game Boy Weed Whacker, like, or something like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Kids are really into Little House on the Prairie, right? Let's make <laughs> some shit for that.
1: <laughs> but I, I, after that, I really didn't get too involved with the Game Boy. Like, the Super Game Boy was kind of cool, and I tried to get into, like, uh, Super Game Boy-compatible games, but nothing really stuck out for me until later with... Uh, pokemon and that came out around the time the game boy pocket so i had a game boy pocket and pokemon and uh then i started paying a lot more attention to to game boy like i said i got the game boy color with uh dragon warrior monsters and uh got really heavy into portable gaming and the game boy is really part of that and which is a shame because i don't play portable games that much anymore before that stretch uh pokemon after and just because i played game boy so much earlier and I had a Game Gear, Game Gear, but we're not talking about that. Fuck Game Gear. Anyone talks about Game Gear, Game Gear here is uh, fucked up. And we will move forward uh, uh, and talk about actually, Game
2: Boy. So, something really funny about the uh, the Game Gear really fast is uh, so my brother had one. Uh, for whatever reason, my brother started uh, piling up on uh, Sega Genesis stuff when it became like super cheap to buy like uh, Sega hardware. Like when they started selling the original Genesis for like a hundred bucks, like they were just practically giving them away, right? And, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he, uh, he managed to pick a, pick up a game gear. It was the most worthless thing ever. Like, you basically had to have it in, uh, the adapter, uh, at any given point, like, uh, in order to play the games extensively, which defeats the purpose of a portable console, right? But, mm-hmm. so I've just been lugging it around because he didn't want it anymore. It's been in my game collection. And recently I unloaded some of my classic games. Uh, I was telling you this before we started recording and I actually tried to sell the game gear. And none of the local shops in Portland would take it for a specific reason because uh, the screen on the Game Gear gets really easily damaged. And so, if you're trying to get it in the retro market or the used market, uh, you have to advertise that you've had the screen replaced if you want to have any hope of selling it. Like, if you have like a Game Gear with the original screen, like, um, like you you will basically get
1: like no money for that on eBay. Oh yeah, because it has it has bad caps, uh, yeah. bad capacitors. Yeah. And, like, even my Game Gear, I can't, I can barely see the screen. And, uh, there's no volume anymore. Like, at, see, see, by contrast, like, uh, the Game Boy had a similar
2: problem. Uh, this was a technical thing I looked up where basically, like, Game Boy, the Game Boy is basically like a Nintendo calculator. Like, literally what inspired Gunpei Yokoi to make it was, uh, was a calculator. He saw, like, a bored businessman on a Tokyo bullet train just fiddling around with his calculator. And he's like, oh, <gasps> it's like, that's like the movie moment where he gets the idea for the Game Boy, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, Most uh, calculators and and, uh, dot matrix uh, screens like that ran on ink. And so if you have a really old Game Boy and um, you start getting like uh, some screen fade, especially on the original, like uh, that's just because the ink is fading because it's like uh, 20 years old and you can get it replaced um, and you can get it repaired. But it's just like something you kind of have to uh, bear in mind when it comes to the retro market like and and that would uh, and that would be fixed when the game boy pocket came out you know like they just kind of amended that issue somewhat
0: sure yeah i mean that's like the same sort of issue with you know the internal batteries on like game boy cartridges dying and stuff like that yeah the unfortunate reality of the hardware um but uh chris i want to uh just say that i really appreciate you um shitting on the game gear because that's an excellent segue into you know my personal memories so thank you for that
1: (laughs) that that's why i did it you're welcome
0: yeah, no, I, I figured. Yeah, I'm just I, a good co-host really like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I um I, I have a I have a gaming confession to make, and that is I I never actually owned an original Game Boy. <gasps> I know, I know, it's uh I'm a heretic, but it's true. Uh, I I so for all of the all of the other stuff that I had, because if anybody's listened to the show for a while, they they probably know by now that I was by and large um. Pretty much an exclusively Nintendo kid. Um, I, with the exception of a, a Master System, which was technically my first console, um, which we talked about several episodes back. But um, outside of that, the only consoles I owned were Nintendo. I didn't have a PlayStation. Didn't have anything else. But for some reason, I, I never got a Game Boy, or at least not the original. Um, I actually ended up with a Game Gear, <laughs> which, um, in retrospect, was kind of sad about. Because, like, what you were talking about, Seamus, with it, you know, um, functionally not actually really being a portable system, um, that, was a, that was a very real struggle. Uh, and, and also, my parents super regretted buying that thing because as soon as they realized that I get to burn through, like, six AA batteries in about maybe two hours tops, they were like, what the fuck did we just do? And so I, I took that thing on, I'm not going to say road trips because that would have been impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like trips to the grocery store. Yeah. That, that's that's a little more reasonable. Fun. Um, but outside of that, I just had to have it plugged in all the time. And it was cool, you know, having like a full color LCD. I mean, it did have that up on the Game Boy. But outside of that, it was... A pain in the ass, and also, arguably, I don't really feel like there are as many good games for it, either. Um,
2: I cannot remember remember a Game Gear game to save my life. There's nobody I've ever met, like, aside from Sonic, that goes like, you know, that, oh, this Game Gear game was amazing. Except for the Power Rangers game. The Power Rangers game was surprisingly good, but that's neither here nor there.
0: Yeah, I think I uh for having actually owned a game gear i think i had maybe like three games for it ever and one of them was sonic so the other well the battery would
2: die you would never be able to complete the game so it just fell out of your brain
0: that yeah exactly yeah so my my first experience it's actually very vivid um with the the og game boy there's there's two things actually the the first one was the very first time i actually came across one and I remember it very clearly. I had gone out to do some errands with my mom and uh, we went to, I want to say it was a Sears, I believe. And I was following her around the store and we happened to walk by the electronics area and they had um, a demo station set up with a Game Boy attached to, you know, obviously this big chunky, like, Cord it's just thing.
2: mounted in there.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. And uh I ended <laughs> of course, well, this this it was a different time. Uh my mom ended up just leaving me at that. And she's like, Okay, you know what? You're clearly like enraptured with this thing. So you go ahead and play around with this. I'm gonna go finish doing all the shopping and I'll come back and get you. And so that's what happened. And so I spent a good at least. 20 minutes to a half hour or so standing in a Sears, hogging this, <laughs> this fucking demo unit, playing Tetris on, on a Game Boy. So that was actually my first experience with it. Um, and then outside of that, the only other time I had any significant amount of time with the original uh, Great Brick was we took a trip to Massachusetts because this was at the time where I, I lived in, in the, the frozen North. So I was in Maine we took a trip down to Massachusetts to visit a family friend and we'd stayed, I believe the weekend. And, um, the husband of the, of the the couple actually owned a game boy. And so he kind of gave it to me to play for the whole weekend. And, um, I think I played, that was the first time I ever played super Mario land and outside of like Later on in life, coming back to it later, that was really the probably the most significant amount of time I had with, with an original Game Boy was that weekend. And they could not pry me away from that thing. Um, I, for some reason, it's totally irrelevant to the Game Boy, but I also remember watching Three Ninjas, I think. <laughs> Hell yeah, weekend. Three Ninjas! so you, you know you could not date yourself harder as, as a 90s kid
2: <laughs> than saying like i was playing my game boy like while watching three ninjas like the
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean I, i'm okay with yeah that. the fine. the only
2: it's thing that like like would like it. date it more is it like if you had like a what's a what's a like a gusher's fruit snack like a very like 90s like associated oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like a children's snack
0: <laughs> dude i was all about that um yeah, tum, tum tum for life, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, so
2: <laughs> tum tum's my spirit
0: animal. So yeah, <laughs> he wants
2: to eat a lot. That, and pick a lot of ass. I really relate to
0: this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who who could not? Yeah, right? but uh, but yeah, so that's that's really kind of my experiences with it. So I I didn't get really into the whole Game Boy ecosystem until the color came out. Actually, that was when I, uh, I ended up picking one up. I be- I want to say I think I had a red one, and um, appropriately. I uh, spent most of my time uh, playing Pokemon Red on it. It's actually, to this day, the only Pokemon game that I actually completed. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. with
2: uh, it. I, don't, I didn't want to juice right to Pokemon, but it seems like we'll probably have to get to that. But before we do, um, I wanted to talk briefly about uh, Link's Awakening since you brought up uh, the Game Boy Color. Because uh, like, Link's yes. Awakening is my favorite Zelda game. I actually have a tattoo of it. I have a tattoo of uh, one of the nightmares, the final boss on my right arm and um nice and uh like and i you know the remake which is coming out later this year is just one of the things i'm so hyped for and so i love Link's awakening so much that i've bought like multiple versions of it so i have like the original for the gray brick and then i have the game boy color version uh the dx that they re-released which the with the like special color themed dungeon that they put in there and um i've always wanted to do an episode for gray man games of um uh, Link's Awakening, but I feel like it's it's probably my favorite Game Boy game and I kind of don't know um, if I should do it for a special occasion or if I should just do the episode. I guess later this year like mm-hmm. um, I'll have to make a decision since the remake is coming out. But I point out Link's Awakening because I kind of feel like Link's Awakening paved the way for Ocarina of Time and like everything that uh, people associate with uh, Zelda. And um, th- because that is the first Zelda game I remember where you actually, like, cared about the characters and kind of got to, like, know everybody in the town, which, like, really paid off in not just Ocarina, but especially in uh, Majora's Mask. And for those of you who've never played the original Link's Awakening, it's kind of like Twin Peaks where you just have, like, this town of weirdos that all of a sudden <laughs> you've gotten conscribed into and you have, like, this weird, nebulous, almost Lovecraftian mystery that you kind of have to figure out. Like, it's it's a very story-based game like uh for for a portable title um and i don't know i remember just like yeah going to the dungeons and kind of solving everything else but i also remember just like trying to cheat to like you know the 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 shovel away from the crane game guy or just like you know interacting with like you know the chain chomp that was just like basically someone's dog like just weird quirky <laughs> memories like yeah, that with that, that with that particular zelda game or like um going on like the uh the fetch quest so you can get the boomerang like you know you trade the uh you trade the honeycomb to the thing and then you get the thing with this stuff and then you give that guy the stick and then the stick goes over there just
0: <laughs> I think actually Link's Awakening was the first one to introduce that like kind of long trading quest It sequence, introduced right? a lot of stuff that?
2: that became like Zelda staples later like I kind of consider it like Because Link to the Past, like, was good, but, like, the story was just kind of, like, there. Like, the story didn't really have anything... It didn't really, like, impact you, like, when I replay it. Like, Mm -hmm. you remember when you like particularly save like the uh the girls in the crystal in the dark world they have like long time ago the seven sages went with the great cataclysm and then just like you know it, it like it doesn't relate to anything that's like immediately affecting you you know whereas links awakening right. like it it constantly affects you like you're constantly invested in everyone and everything that like is kind of going on around and like it kind of gives you like this sense of melancholy once it's kind of over and you actually beat the game and you have to leave the island like and and just the the fact that you were able to get this at all on basically like a portable calculator is kind of an accomplishment.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and actually, that functions as a really good segue uh, into favorite Game Boy games. So clearly Link's Awakening is probably your number one. But do you have any others that you kind of like point out as some of your like top picks?
2: Um, One of uh, one of my favorites is uh, Belmont's Revenge, the uh, the uh, the second uh, mm-hmm. Castlevania game they did. Um, and by the way. Uh, I said this when I did a video on Belmont's Revenge. I will never do an episode on Castlevania the Adventure because fuck that game. That is one of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> Castlevania or otherwise. And I feel like it's kind of a punishment a bit because, um, I didn't mean to, but I basically stole my cartridge of Castlevania the Adventure. I was talking to someone at a Funko land and they were showing off their Castlevania the Adventure cartridge and I, they just like left and just, uh, without doing kind of whatever and i'm just like oh shit like you know i accidentally took their game i did i totally didn't mean to do that well i guess i'll give this a shot and i've never beaten the original game boy version of castlevania the adventure because the third stage is fucking impossible it has like this scrolling like kind of thing which totally doesn't work with the sluggish controls and the terrible jumping and so i feel like god punished me for accidentally stealing that guy's game for giving me one of the worst uh game boy games ever but um
0: Belmont's Revenge, it basically, no, you realize what happened there. Is that it, you didn't steal it? He offloaded that yeah, shit on you. Yeah,
2: he's just like, oh
1: no, hey, I lost it.
2: Hey, hey, do you want a free game? Like, <laughs> 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 it's just like he gets outside. He's like, hey, hey sucker! But um, <laughs>
0: it's like, I'm free,
2: <laughs> free from the curse of <laughs> Castlevania: The Adventure. Um, like, did did any of you guys have like the uh did any did any of you guys have the Game Boy uh light attachment? Like, you would just like literally mount it on. It was basically just a oh, flashlight yeah. you would mount onto the. Uh, I remember that. So much from road trips where just like we're just like <laughs> driving late at night, but I wanted to play my Game Boy, and so I just have this like flashlight that I've just mounted to it, and it just gives me like a little bit more light. It's like a little bit better, but not quite like it's not as good as a backlight would have been. Like, there's a whole thing in the retro scene where just like yeah, you had
0: like you had like that big one where you had like the the magnifier, and yeah, the, like, yeah, all yeah that was that was it. that like, was this big that was the pimp shit
1: back in the day. You're just <laughs> I, I just I had the one that like plugged into the side and it, like kind of curled. It had like the uh uh the curls in it and then like it would be like purple and it had the little light on top. It's like an LED. Oh, light you mean like the screen. worm
0: the worm light thing?
1: Yeah, the worm light. Coil. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so it yeah. would coil up and then it would just go and it actually worked really good uh for like basic games like RPGs like Pokemon and stuff.
2: Oh RP- yeah, RPGs, yeah. we gotta talk about Final Fantasy Legend. Like which is uh which is like yeah. i feel like one of the most underrated series just like uh it's it's so good that like uh jackie Cation, the comedian did like uh an entire bit on uh that game where you just like you, you get to pick whatever class of warrior you want um you know you get to play like uh mutants or you get to play like warriors or healers or whatever and then you just like go to the three different kingdoms of the land and you just like kill all of the kings and take their shit and then you go into the tower and then you go to the top of the tower and you get to fight god and god is like a little bearded amish dude in the middle of your game boy screen and you get to kill god like it is the only it's one of the only video games where you get to go up to heaven and kill god
1: well
0: not not until god of war (laughs) would you be able to have that experience uh
1: what what was breath of fire then
0: uh i don't know some weeb (laughs) shit (laughs)
2: shit. especially like the er (laughs) the early translation just like oh my god the english localization for the
1: first uh breath of fire game jesus christ (laughs) Uh, both breath of fire games (laughs) yeah yeah they were terrible um but that's a a good thing shame has mentioned that because i was going to go into my favorite game boy games and i would say it's First and foremost, I would say it's, it's probably Tetris, but you can get Tetris anywhere at this point. You can play so it on ATM I machines. Like, I pointed that out in my
2: episode yeah. on Tetris. Yeah,
1: like if it has a screen, it can play Tetris. <laughs> so you don't get a Game Boy to play Tetris. Um, back then you did. Now you don't. I have it on my DS, and that's what I travel with. I have a, a coral pink DS, and I play Tetris on it. But uh, like if I'm going to get a Game Boy, it's going to be Super Mario Land 2. I think that's – yes. <clears throat> Probably the most solid Game Boy game. If like anyone, if you're going to buy a Game Boy and you're going to buy it for something other than Pokemon, it's going to be Super Mario Land 2. But other than that, the amazing things, the amazing capabilities that the Final Fantasy uh, Legend games did or saga games is put an entire RPG experience on that cartridge. You're not thinking that it has any right to do that. And it looks exactly like any Final Fantasy game that you could get on the NES uh, or Famicom. It looks just like Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3. And there's not much of a difference, especially like Final Fantasy Legend 3 when it shifts from the more traditional kind of saga where you level up based on your actions to more of a traditional level level up based system. It's a lot of fun and you don't really expect that on your Game Boy now, of course, later when it goes on, you had the Game Boy Color, you had Dragon Warrior 1 and 2, you had probably the second most definitive version of Dragon Warrior 3 or Dragon Quest 3, which is it's a port of the SNES version, uh, which is considered to be the best Dragon Quest game in the series for a lot of people. And so you have that, but like there's just something about those Game Boy exclusive games that makes them more special as compared to those games that are ports from other systems. So that's why I say like Super Mario Land 2 fantastic fantastic game and it blows super mario land out of the water which isn't a bad game but it's just so it's, it's essentially a super nintendo game on your game boy well i and yeah, i, I well, talked about this when, about you it. Could just, when i didn't
0: see what they did with it i,
1: I talked by the way side note i i actually had to look this up
2: really fast uh final fantasy legend at least the first one still had a score by uh, Nobu imamatsu. and. Like mm-hmm. so, on top of having the gameplay, like it also had the music, which is one of the biggest defining things of Final Fantasy. And I remember just that opening melody when it just like gives you the prologue before you start playing. It's like na 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 na, like just so simple, but like it sets like such a mood. And just like you, the fact that you get that from the portable Game Boy, like you get just like this this mood and just kind of this like. The weight of this world that you're kind of entering, I think, is kind of remarkable. But um, what you were saying about Mario Land, when I did an episode on it, um, Mario Land really reminded me of Mario Run uh, the more that I played it. Where it's like, it's Mario on, you know, a portable device, and that's all it is. It wasn't anything special. Mario Land 2, meanwhile, just, like, gave you so many... And not just a Super Nintendo experience, but it gave you so many unique things that, like, no other Mario game had. Like, it gave you, like, uh, the bunny ears that basically just let you, like, float to the ground, or it gives you... Um you know, it was the first one that introduced uh, Wario, you know, just gave us the first Wario experience <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, it had all unique bosses. Like you had to fight like the three little pigs at one point. Like that, I remember playing that as a kid. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a fantastic game. <laughs> yeah. Also,
0: uh, am I
2: the
1: bad? guy? Yeah. <laughs> Also, honorable mention to Kirby's Dreamland.
2: Oh yeah, we mm-hmm. like um, Kirby's Dreamland Two is where it's at, where you get like your little animal buddies. Yes. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, man. See, this is like well, oh, you
1: I, Shane, your I, turn.
0: I, I missed out. I missed out on all this shit. Nah. I came back around to it later, but no, like my my favorites list is much shorter and more compact because I I didn't own as many of those titles. But and to be fair, like I said, a lot of them were more like Game Boy Color esque stuff. But um, my my Game Boy was by and large, a, a Pokemon machine. <laughs>
2: yeah, we got to get to Pokemon, don't we? <laughs>
0: yeah, eventually. But um, <laughs> like I said, Pokemon Red still is the only one that I've actually completed. I didn't complete the Pokedex, to be fair, but I did beat the Elite Four, and that's the only time I've done that. Up until now, actually, I've just finished up Let's Go on my Switch, but... Um, so there was that, and I had a couple others, um, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, which is basically just a port of Super Mario Brothers, but they added some extras. They stuff. added oh, a, so much more to it, which though. was cool. They added a calendar yeah, to that. Um,
2: like for some reason they thought you could just like have your Mario game as a day planner. I'm not sure where they got that idea. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I was like, this is cool, but highly unnecessary. All right, fine. I think
2: that's the first Mario game that had the red coin challenge. Like, I think they had that just before Mario mm-hmm. 64.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and we didn't mention it but outside of Link's Awakening I also um I played a lot of Oracle of Ages and Seasons. Oh yeah. On my on my GBC as Yeah.
1: Well. really good game uh, developed by Capcom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also honorable mention of uh Pokemon Pinball because that was actually a lot of
2: fun. Uh, the, the big one i had was a uh, kirby pinball which like was also like um insanely fun i remember I'd, I'd, like for some reason that was the only game i got that christmas like because i just always got video games for christmas around that time but just like i'm mm. like oh it's just pinball but like you know it's freaking pinball and it's kirby and it's adorable so like it, you know that i ended up getting like a lot of uh getting a lot of use out of that one i love kirby who, who doesn't love kirby how can you not love kirby I even watched the the terrible cartoon, which just like it focuses on everyone but Kirby. But it has like the best theme song ever. It's like this big band music, just like Kirby, Kirby, Kirby's the one. Like it's so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess at this point we'd be remiss to not talk at least a little bit about Gen One Pokemon, even though we are running a little long. But we 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 need to include it because we've uh, we've alluded to it a number of times. Yeah, now, and just sort get of like to it. The the giant like evolving elephant in the room so, <laughs> the giant
2: uh so let's go ahead oh god what's an out. elephant pokemon I, it, it's like the, the giant charizard Snorlax. Is, the snorlax. giant snorlax in the
1: room thank you
0: <laughs> i mean i think the actual elephant's called like what the fuck is it like fampy that's
1: something. it that's it hold that's on I, hold on let me let me call my kid real
0: quick <laughs> <laughs> adam
2: oh my Come god here. <laughs> you're actually doing this
0: what's that dang pokemon <laughs>
2: It's Fanfee. It's Fanfee.
0: <laughs> okay, see how right. it's right. It's Fanfee.
1: Hey, is there any Pokemons that look like elephants? Yeah. Okay, which one is it? Domfan. Domfan. Is there any other ones? Uh, I forget its name. Fampy? Pampy? No, Fampy. Fan- Fampy. Fampy. Yes. See, there you
0: go, Fampy. I was like okay. 80% of the way there.
1: Because we were saying, like, the elephant of Pokemon is Snorlax. But you'd say it's Fampy and Domphan? Yeah. Okay. They're not in Gen 1, are they? No. So in Gen 1, you would say it was Snorlax. Actually, Snorlax is based off a person. Okay. Thank you, Adam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, let's no, let's follow that thread. I want to know more about Snorlax. We can
1: we can, we can bring them back when we do the Pokemon Gen One episode because I'm sure uh, you could have it all uh, by. Himself. Actually,
0: uh, people don't generally know that Snorlax is based on a person. Actually, if
2: you, if you if you look at Snorlax, he's got like the little koala arms. Like I I think Snorlax is supposed to be some kind of marsupial, but I don't know I don't know what kind.
0: Uh, but, all right, so who who wants to start? Let's uh, start well, with the Pokemon uh, well, thing. Let's just do also, this.
2: I was. Talking uh about Tetris and how like, you know, you have like a puzzle game and it kinda gives you like the little serotonin rush from having like a little portable game that's just like ten potentially infinite. Like, Pokemon is kind of the same way. Like Pokemon is diabolical when you think about it. Like there are just endless ways that you can like customize your Pokemon, catch Pokemon, you can get the exact type of monsters that you want, like the exact kind of team you want. If you want to have like a level one uh, one hundred Pidgey when you take on the Elite Four, fine, go ahead. Just go ahead and level that up. Um <laughs> and, like, it actually encourages you to uh, interact with uh, other players. You know, you have the link cable. You have, like, exclusive Pokemon for each version. Just, like, you know, it encourages collaboration and just, like, playing with others. Unless you were a freaking loser and you had two Game Boys and you just bought two copies of the game and traded amongst yourself. But that's... I, I never did that. But,
0: um... <laughs> yeah, I, no, nobody would do that.
2: And so, we all did and it. And so anytime <laughs> I... When I was growing up and people say, like, you know, games isolate you or games are just, like, for losers. I'm like, this literally makes me, like, interact with my friends and have fun. Like, you know, that like, this literally makes me get out in the world. And, like, Pokemon Go did the same thing. I remember when Pokemon Go came out, like, uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, we would just be wandering around the streets trying to catch them. And we just catch people with their phones out doing the same thing. It's like, oh, do you want to hunt together? Like, <laughs> do you want to go together? <laughs>
0: Actually, speaking of which, at the time of this recording, tomorrow is the next Pokemon Community Day, so I will be out there doing that.
2: Ah, fantastic! But uh, uh, actually, yeah. here's the big. Qu- I probably won't be, who, but... for just just for Gen one, just for Gen one, who was your starter?
0: Uh, Charmander, uh, Bulbasaur, Squirtle. Oh,
2: we we have the wow, seriously, we have the trifecta! Oh my god,
0: that's impressive. <laughs> that, that we didn't a, even that rehearse is amazing. that. No. <laughs>
2: Bulbasaur just kind of seemed like uh, the one who would have like the the longest dividends for like the first part of uh, the game because like you learn your first grass move that's like pretty good against Brock but that's like indispensable uh, when you get when you get up against Misty like you know like because by that, by that time you'll have Vine Whip you'll hopefully have Razor Leaf or something like that and just like you know you'll mm-hmm. just be able to take her on.
0: See that I, that was at an age where I was not even thinking about that kind of strategy. I was yeah. just like oh, I, I don't know it's Fire Lizard.
2: I had like the guide and I was just like. <laughs> fine tooth comb, just going over every move, planning every step, just like, you know, I was just, I was prepped as hell whenever I played Pokemon. I was always ready, I was always ready whenever I uh, got
1: into a battle. Strategically speaking, yeah, like, Bulbasaur is the smartest one to pick. It's like the easy mode out of the three.
2: I I would argue that uh, Squirtle is kind of the easy mode, because, like, once you learn Bubble, like, Brock is, like is nothing like oh yeah brock's toast yeah Bro- brock is yeah. dead by the time you walk in
1: and for <laughs> anyone who doesn't understand brock is the rock master if you don't know that yeah just just making sure you because know.
2: for some reason rock is weak yeah. to water I've I, never he I've exclaims
0: never that his
1: understood
2: how that works. pokemon
0: is rock hard like, if you
2: watch the pokemon anime like ash just turns on the sprinkler and like onyx is just crippled because of the sprinklers in the gym i'm like uh, uh okay just i guess that makes
1: what a giant rock snake okay okay <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get introduced to Pokemon? what's your What's your favorite Pokemon memory, Shane?
0: Favorite Pokemon memory. Um, I mean, beating the Elite Four was definitely a big thing for me at the time. I know that. And, and the funny thing is too is I actually um I, I didn't engage with any of the other like Pokemon media whatsoever. Like I never bought any of the cards. I didn't really watch the show. But for whatever reason, I got totally into Pokemon Red. So now, conversely, my little brother um who's about four four years younger than me, um, he was super fucking into Pokemon. Didn't actually play the game, though, but he did everything else. He he had the cards. He watched the show, like, every day, you know, when it, whenever it was on. Um, but I, I didn't end up engaging any of that. I don't really know why. However, I did go back after the fact, though, uh, because the original run of Pokemon is available on uh, Netflix, or at least it was, and went – and watched through that entire thing, and I can't one hundred percent say whether or not I regret spending my time that way, but I did it. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess just beating the Elite Four because I didn't really do much else with it.
2: Actually, my favorite Pokemon memory like kind of came uh, the next generation uh, with uh, Crystal, which was like uh, one of my favorites at the time, and um, like. It basically just gave you the second game, and then just, it gave you, like, the first game at the end of it. Like, they managed to program the Kanto region in there somehow. And, um, you just managed to fight through all the, uh, old bosses again, which I thought was, like, really fantastic. And, uh, I think... There it cannot be any moment that has terrified me more when I got to like the uh, the final dungeon, and uh, you get to fight Red. You get to fight your character from the first game, and he has like his level eighty Pikachu that can freaking nuke your entire team on its own. Like I literally had a moment where I'm like, "Oh crap!" Like as soon as I saw that, <laughs> I'm like, the, "the the the road will be hard." Um, and I still have my uh i had a tag team of gyarados for uh for crystal i had my original um blue gyarados which uh i named reckoning with an exclamation mark at the end of it and then i had my red shiny gyarados that i caught during the course of that game and i named it red and that was like my tag team whenever i uh reckoning and Redkening. and so if someone would knock out one of them i would just throw the other gyarados in there and i'm like oh you thought this was done oh no you're like yeah,
1: yeah reckoning and dead reckoning <laughs>
0: no red co- I, yeah I, I i say i feel like at that time you must have been really proud of those
1: names <laughs>
2: <laughs> i had so many stupid names for pokemon it's not even it's not even funny <laughs> like
1: so br- i'll try to make this brief because we're we're starting to run low and i want to make a point about tetris that i think you guys are going to want to expound on but um oh yeah oh, really? I'm, I'm quite full of my opinions so um my favorite pokemon memory i was in japan my dad took me to Japan, and it was either the Emperor's birthday or some celebration for the Emperor. So, of course, we went there. You know, you want to go experience the culture. It was like 1999, 19—it 19, uh, 19, was either 99 or 2000, uh, because Pokemon Silver had just come out. Pokemon Gold and Silver had just come out, but they weren't out in North America yet. So we went and saw the Emperor's birthday, a big celebration. Everyone was there. It was crazy. It was awesome. And then we went to the Pokemon store. Uh, that was in Japan. I can't remember whose prefecture it was in, that w- w- where we were at. So we're going down, uh, so we're standing in line, and there was a bigger line to buy Pokemon Gold and Silver than the crowd that was there to see the Emperor's birthday. And uh, we were talking to one of the people in line, one of the people who were assuming worked for the Pokemon Center, like they're pretty much people uh, hold, uh, keeping order, you know, they were like in a yellow... Uh, you know, overcoat that kind of resembled Pikachu. And I remember just the conversation we were having with her. Cause we were in line. I was going to get Pokemon silver to, uh, uh, the Japanese version, obviously, cause we didn't have it. And she was like, <clears throat> we were like, yeah, it seems like more people are here to, uh, to buy uh Pokemon than to see the emperor. She's like, Oh, they are here to see the emperor. They're here to see the little yellow emperor. Now, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, nowadays, um, you hear that and it, like obviously, you know, we're talking about Pikachu, but that could be taken a completely different route because we were in Japan and we we're Americans. And we're terrible people. So <laughs> take it, take it for how you will. But that's my best Pokemon memory is just being in line, getting ready to buy a uh, copy of Pokemon Silver. For my Game Boy, before I could get in America, and that was, and I was just learning katakana at a time, so I was reading all the different Pokemon names. It was fantastic. I liked, and that's why I, I like about, to think uh, back Pokemon. in uh,
2: back in his palace, the emperor was kind of looking at his birthday presents, and he's trying to make sure that his copy of Pokemon is kind of in there. Like he's kind of looking at his handlers <laughs> or whatever. He's like, No, 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 you got it right. Like it's in there. Like okay, just want to be sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I also really appreciate that. Like your your favorite like Pokemon memory is like somehow accidentally vaguely racist that's that's fantastic that's,
1: <laughs> yeah I had to think about it like I never thought about it that way and I was like if I tell the story and I say the little yellow emperor we all know it's Pikachu right like we know that's Pikachu that has to sure. be Pikachu. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it's Pikachu it's like
2: one of those things where even though it's like literal like even though it's like literally yellow it's like it's still kind of racist even when you
1: think about it like <laughs> <laughs> But the point I wanted to make about Tetris, um, yeah, and you, you do mention it in, in the show notes here, Shane, and I it wanted is. to more expound on it. As you said, that Tetris opened up uh, opened up the the gaming medium to to women, which it would which had been highly dominated by men, especially in the portable gaming community. That a lot of Game Boy players were women, and I, my argument would be. Not only did it open up to women, but it, Tetris made gaming mainstream. And what I mean by Tetris is Game Boy Tetris made gaming mainstream because yeah. everybody mm-hmm. wanted to play Tetris. Everyone wanted it for their commute. Everyone just they, – they found it as a way to waste time. It wasn't just women. It was adults. And that's, I think, Tetris and the Game Boy, specifically Tetris on the Game Boy – made that transition from gaming from just being a kid's toy to a hobby for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And and I mean, the so the thing that, that Chris was referencing was just a little fact that I had put in our show notes about that, that I thought was relevant. And was, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad that you brought it up before we wrap this thing up, because I think it is poignant that um, the there was a study that Nintendo kind of did right around 1995-ish or so. Um, that they found that somewhere in the neighborhood of 45% of Game Boy owners um, were female. literally half, yeah. Yeah, which was, yeah, just about half, which was one of the first times that a gaming system um, had an actual significant percentage of uh, of female owners, which was kind of a big deal. And and, uh, to extrapolate on that, like you said, I think um, it does definitely go beyond that, and it did sort of opened the proverbial gates to making gaming, um, more acceptable on a mainstream level. I mean, now you see people playing games on their phones everywhere all the time, but there was a very different landscape, you know, 20 some odd, you know, well, 30, I guess, some odd years ago.
2: Well, uh, if you don't mind me adding something to that, uh, it makes me think of something that, um, uh, Miyamoto himself kind of said, like, uh, kind of talking about the cultural uh, perception of video games um, when it was kind of first coming up. And he said uh, he one thing that he always wanted to accomplish as a game designer was trying to break the notion that there is one type of video game, you know, like uh, that there's one type of game that would just appeal to every kind of gamer, you know, because you wouldn't say that about like music or movies or books. Like there's all kinds of different movies, different kinds of books, different kinds of whatever, like for, that would spit, fit that specific person. And so he wanted to have the same uh, thing with video games. You can have games for children. You can have them for men. You can have them for women. You can have them for just anybody and any kind of uh, type. And I think having something as simple as Tetris like um, that was like easily available and just everybody could understand it, everybody could get into it, and everybody could play it, I think it, like was kind of the ultimate thing that kind of like uh, proved his point. And you,
1: you want to know who miyamoto's one of miyamoto's mentors was
2: it was uh gunpei Yokoi himself gunpei Yokoi. yeah uh, Yokoi senpai he's kind of the uh, the patron saint of the gray man games uh series like he we uh, like i want to do an episode like just on him like and uh how much of uh how much of a genius he was the thing I, the thing i find so funny is that like um especially for their handhelds like you know the, the the thing that they do better than anybody else i find it funny that people still underestimate nintendo whenever they do something like i remember uh when they put out the 3D, put out the DS, like the original version, they thought like, oh, the PSP is going to crush that. And nope, the DS like completely crushed the PSP. Like it uh, completely owned it. And then I remember the original commercials for the Switch. They said like, oh, you know, who's going to want to take that on the go? And I'm like, "Friggin' everybody. Are you kidding? Like (laughs) when I worked in playtesting, everybody busted out their Switches on their lunch breaks.
0: Yeah, well, I I never disagreed that like everybody's going to want to take their gaming console and the goal go. I think the thing that a lot of people, including myself found a little like corny was just the way that they made those commercials where it was just like, yeah, no Brad, why don't you bring out your switch in the middle of this fucking rooftop party? Cause everyone's going to do that.
2: Well, I mean, and, and, Amongst our friends, maybe. Yeah, you're kidding. That sounds like a good time. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, sounds like the None perfect time. None of us time.
0: have ever had a party on a roof,
1: Chris. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, to be to be fair, I don't think a lot of our friends can make it to the roof. But where they could be, there would be shots fired. The roof is literally <laughs> on fire. Like
2: shots are fired and the roof's on fire.
0: <laughs> oh, God. We got
2: no All water right, So I feel like
0: burned. that's probably a good place to uh, to wrap up this episode before we offend anybody. else.
2: <laughs> oh what you're offended you, you're worried about offending the fire like nation like <laughs> i didn't want to say it but that was the only one that could come out
1: <laughs> so so happy 30th birthday to the nintendo game boy in north yes. america Yay. because you know we're americentric <laughs> the only um, one that matters this is the Amerocentric podcast um and uh Uh, Probably the most important, well, not the most important gaming system, but definitely one of the most important gaming systems and definitely one that bridged the gap uh, and made gaming as a whole mainstream. So... Seamus first of all go ahead freely plug yourself let us let everybody know where you are at on the internet <laughs> uh, Go check out
2: uh, go to YouTube and just enter uh, Gray Man Games in your search bar that'll come up um, I had some delays but I'm going to be resuming the uh, Bloodstained playthrough th- soon I'm going to be having Arcade Spirits down the line And if you guys are in the Portland area come check me out at the Rose City Comic Con uh, in the middle of September It's going to be a lot of fun Awesome Shane
0: Yes Oh, I, I got to do some plug shit now, too. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, plug
1: plug so, our shit.
0: Yeah, man. So uh, as we are wont to do, uh, we, of course, want to let you know that if uh, if you are listening to this podcast, you can also find us at a number of other places. Uh, We're on all of the, the social medias, um, including Instagram, which is probably the best place to get in touch with us uh, should you want to do that. Uh, we of course also have our Patreon, which you can go and check out. Um, speaking of which, this is an important episode in that we have our very first, uh, patron at the, the 16 bit level of donation, which, um, has him in here, uh, for a uh, personal shout out. So we would like to personally thank, um, We would like to personally thank uh, Ashton Ruby for uh, being our very first 16-bit patron. We appreciate your support. And if you would like to also get a personal shout out on the show as well as get access to uh, exclusive patron uh, audio content, you can go to uh, bit.ly slash rhpatron and you can check that out. We also do have our merch shop, which just recently before I left for uh, my vacation we released our uh, summer line of uh, OutRunner gear. So it's uh, sort of a summer-themed, OutRun-inspired design. So uh, if you want to check that out and you're into sort of that 80s vibe, uh, you can certainly do that um, by going to bit.ly slash merch.
1: Yes, and remember, you can always find us on Twitch every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time or 9 p.m. Eastern uh so feel free to see us there um we'll be playing sporadically stuff uh by the way Seamus, i know you have a patreon please 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 plug your patreon. uh yes it's patreon.com
2: slash sp burke um i'm actually going to be doing a uh revamp of it uh in time for rose city because i'm going to be launching some new stuff by then that i'm not going to spoil just yet but um ba- basically the uh tiers uh won't be uh changing so even just a dollar helps like uh and it gets you early access to uh anything i'm working on so uh it's uh, really appreciated excellent awesome. All right. And be sure to check out Gray Man Grames. Damn it!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the Gay Man grams. Gay Man Grames. That's what it has Let's to, to be. Yeah, check that out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just like, it's just like I'm, I'm in black and white. It's just literally me in a pink shirt. That's the only thing that's changed. The show is exactly the same.
0: <laughs> uh, well, with all of that being said, uh, until next time. Play with your Gay Man joysticks.